Thank you for joining us today. We hope this teaching inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you tools for everyday life. We encourage you to visit us at mbcocala.com to discover more about the life-changing ministry at Meadowbrook, as well as convenient ways you can partner with us financially in helping people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. Enjoy the message. Good morning. How's everybody? Good, good. Anybody deal with any worry or anxiety at all this last week? Come on, get up, get up. Because we're going to learn how to fight back and deal with that a little bit more today. Go ahead and stand up if you would. So glad all of you are here today. And let's lift our hands to the Lord. We're going to pray and then we're going to dive into the word this morning. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you once again for your faithfulness to us through this past week. And that you got us through and that you've helped us and you've been patient and kind and good. And you've provided and done so much. And God, we have not kept up with thanking you. So we stop in this moment and just say thank you, God, for being such a wonderful Heavenly Father for our lives. We do thank you. And now as we've gathered together here, we're here on purpose. We gather together in your name, Lord Jesus. And I thank you that you are here. You promise that when we gather in your name, you'd be right here in the midst of us. And you're not just near some and away from others. You're here in the midst of all of us today. And I pray, Lord, that you would do a holy and lasting thing in and for and through every one of us today. Help me to deliver your word in the right way. And I pray that when everything is said and done today, that you, Jesus, the Lord of our life, the head over all things to this church, that you'd be pleased you'd be honored, that you'd be glorified, and that these, your people, every single one of them would be helped today. And that's our prayer. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen and amen. Hey, help me welcome our East Campus. Would you do that real quick? God bless you guys. It's going to be a great day at church. And let's give a good welcome for our online campus as well. Come on. God bless you guys. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, we're in a series on anti-anxiety, and um, we're going to continue actually right on up to the 23rd of December. Um, We'll have a couple other little titles thrown in there, but essentially we're going to be dealing with this uh, subject that is um, rampant. It's epidemic. It's impacting a lot of you. Some of you are so stressed you're not even paying attention to me right now, and and, uh, but it's something that we need to deal with. In particular, our culture... uh, lends itself a little more to some activities and lack of some things that actually promote anxiety in our life. And so we want to find some great answers from God and from his word on how to handle these things. Well, uh, I don't know if I'm the first, but I'll be one of the first to say to you, Merry Christmas. And uh, in case you feel like that's too early, um, I was at Cracker Barrel in like September and they were already decorated. So, (laughs) so, uh, I'm, I'm late, probably. Um, but let me just go ahead and tell you again what Christmas is. Uh, and I'll say this dozens of times through this month, but Christmas is the celebration of the entrance of our Savior into our world. So hear that again. Christmas is the celebration of the entrance of our Savior into the world. And so it's a celebration. So I encourage you to to celebrate, absolutely. And there'll be a lot of people around you in, in, at the office and neighborhood and different places. They're celebrating. They don't know exactly what they're celebrating for, but just use their noise as part of your celebration. 
But this is the thing. It's the celebration of the entrance of our Savior. Christmas without Easter does not make any sense. And so uh, it all ties together there. But um, thinking about that, the entrance of our Savior, guess what, y'all? Boy, oh boy, do we need a Savior. We need a Savior. And I'm thankful that we have Jesus has come uh, and we'll be singing about that, talking about that, and celebrating. So everything you do, kind of do that as, as celebration. Amen? Amen? I also want to give you your first Christmas gift, okay? I'm giving you today the gift of group counseling. <laughs> so we're glad you all made it today. Um, and I trust this is going to help us, help us all. Uh, as we deal with anxiety, and we are anti, okay? We're anti. That means we are against this. And let me go ahead and say, I deal with worry and fear and anxiety, but I hope you heard what I said. I deal with it. Because if you don't handle it, it will what? It will handle you. Am I telling the truth today? And so it comes to all of us. It comes to me. It comes to everybody I know. Fear, anxiety, worry, the opportunity for all of those things comes to all of us. But all of us then must deal with it. We must handle it. And that's what we're, we're looking at in this series. Um, I like to think that we're giving you some keys to unlock and to lock some things. And so let me just review those quickly for you. First key, we started out the first week, give it over to God. Come on, everybody, read that with me. Give it over to God. Give what? What's it? It's what's worrying you. It's what's bothering you. It's what's causing that anxiety in your life. Give that over to God. The second key, very, very important, get in this moment. Get in this moment. You are not a time traveler, okay? And so worry about the past is actually depression. Worry about the future is actually anxiety. And when we're not in this moment, we're in that moment or that moment, we're not effective, fruitful, and efficient and, and present in this moment, it actually generates more and more anxiety in our life. So these two, if, if you just grab for two keys, there you are, there you are. Give it over to God and get in this moment. And we spent a lot of time on those already. Then we looked at this, sort it out, sort it out. Everybody say sort it out. Sometimes you talk to somebody and say, so what is it that's bothering you? What are you anxious about? What are you worrying about? It's just all these things and, the, and people and, and, and we have just this big mess and mass. And what we need to do is spread that out and sort that out so we can see what it is. And King Hezekiah did this. And then the next thing is our next key. And then he prayed to the Lord. And so pray, sort it out. And say, God, here it is, and I don't know what to do with it, but you do. I can't handle it, but you can. And so sort it out and then pray. And then last week, we started to just break this down a little bit further, and we talked about gratitude, the absolute vital necessity that gratitude is in your life. Because when gratitude is present, the soul is healthy. And the inverse is true. When gratitude is not there, that actually brings some sickness and darkness into our soul. And then we also talked about sin. Sin. Go ahead and say it. Sin. And sin, how to deal with sin and the presence of sin, unconfessed sin in our life, actually depresses us, ruins, taints, poisons everything. But there is great joy and great relief in getting forgiveness. Anybody here glad we can have some forgiveness? Amen. Amen. And that's why our Savior came. Then we talked about one more key, and I want to expand on that today, and it is this right here, self talk self-talk go ahead and say it with me self-talk 
And this is that inner dialogue that's going on on the inside. Studies show, and it is reality, that people are dealing with anxiety, even panic, uh, uh, chronic worry, and so forth. They engage in negative self-talk. And all of us have self-talk. All of us have uh, this internal dialogue going on. Sometimes you're just talking about everybody else in the room. She thinks nobody knows that's a wig. I can tell that's a wig. You know, we, we, sometimes we go there. And then sometimes we talk about ourselves, talk to ourselves. Y'all, y'all with me today? Okay, well, self-talk, get this. Self-talk actually comes from self-esteem. Self-esteem. And uh, this informs this. And I'll break it down a little bit further for you here today because this is a a super important area. Now, our self-esteem and our self-talk are at the core, follow this, that's at the core of a peaceful you, or that's at the core of an anxious you. So whether you are peaceful or anxious, it's going to be connected right here. No matter what the other factors are, it's how you're seeing it, and how you're saying it, okay? So all of this is involved here. Now, let's talk about your soul for a moment. Um, and we'll break this down a little bit further as we go today. What if we could have an x-ray of your soul? What if we could actually see your soul? Do you know what I, I predict? I predict every one of us would have some damage. Every one of us would have some scars. Some would have some open wounds. Um, you know, and a lot of things stored up in there. Uh, um, and our soul is so, so important. And all of this is happening in our soul. And so we have to target it there, not just it's them, it's that, but it's how we're handling that down in our soul. And we're going to apply the Word of God to that today. So our self-esteem and our self-talk Actually, all of this comes back to something else, and I don't have it on the screen, but it's self-image. Everybody say self-image. Your self-image, if I could put it this way, is what you see. It's how you see yourself. Your self-esteem is what you say. So how you see dictates what you say. So my self-image is how I see myself, my self-esteem is what I say about myself to myself, and it's how I talk about myself to myself. And all of that is wound up in self-talk. Well, these can be distorted. How many of you know an image can be distorted? I did a wedding yesterday afternoon, and in the room they had for the uh, groom and uh, his groomsmen, they had this tall mirror and uh, it was sitting at an angle, and I don't know if that did the trick or what. But I'm, I'm right at six foot four, and I looked seven foot one <laughs> in that mirror. And so. But I was, I was like 40 pounds thinner, too. You know, just, so that's a distortion. How many of you wouldn't mind that mirror at your house, though? <laughs> and then you've been to the carnival and stuff and seen the wavy mirror, and it makes you look all... Oh, whatever. What if that was the mirror at your house? And what if that, when you looked at that every day getting ready, you thought, wow, I'm odd, you know? And then you go out and you look at everybody else. 
And so you see them differently than you see yourself. Well, my point is, if the image is distorted, if what I see is distorted, then what I say will be distorted. And I think there's been a conspiracy against your image because you were created originally in the likeness and the image of God, the Imago Dei. And so Satan has tried since forever to try to distort that and for us to see things in a, in a different way. And I want you to know every person that has ever walked on the planet is created in the likeness and the image of God. Amen. Now that image may have been distorted. And the truth is, for you and for I, there have been things that have happened in our life that have distorted that image. So things happen in our childhood. Come on. Things happen in our childhood. Uh, your school, your teachers, your coaches, your family of origin. Your parents, how you were raised, your siblings, your, your, your uh, neighborhood that you lived in, events that took place, trips that you took, crises that happened, things you won, things where you got cheated on. I mean, all kinds of things happen in our lives. And then add to that in our day, social media. And so some people put up their, their beautiful, perfect life. For the rest of us to see. And you're looking at the trip that they took and how beautiful their house is and their kids are perfect and everything else. And it's, it's quarter till one in the afternoon. You're still in sweatpants and haven't brushed your teeth, you know. It's a, <laughs> and so you see that, that wavy, wavy mirror. Let me talk about, uh, they call it compare and despair syndrome. Compare and despair syndrome. Let me talk about me for a minute. Um, when I was, uh, I think it was about fourth grade, my parents divorced. And that impacted me. And, and I realized more and more how much that impacted me. And suddenly my dad was gone and moved to another state. Suddenly they gave my dog away and they didn't tell us. And then we moved from our house to a trailer park. Nothing wrong with a trailer park. But there was something wrong with our trailer park, okay? <laughs> and I move away from my friends, move away from my school, and I'm suddenly at a new place, and you know what? It, it impacts you. And just thinking back, I think from a, kind of from about then on, then I've always been late to cool, not late to school, late to cool. It's just in my mind, I never had what was cool. And I don't even know who writes the rules on cool. But some of you are relating with me right now. And so I had the wrong clothes. And by the time I got the clothes, that's not cool anymore. <laughs> I could tell you a story about platform shoes but we don't have time. Thank God we don't have time. I had the wrong hair. I lived in the wrong place. I had the wrong body. Later on, I had the wrong car. I was just late for it all. And then before you know it, you're a dad and you're a grandpa. And sometimes you're still fighting those, those things. And what happened is things happen in our life that distort our image of how we see ourselves, and then that internal dialogue of how what we say to and, uh, 
and about ourselves can greatly impact us. So what do we need? We need a clear view of you. You need a clear view of you. I'll share a number of things with you that we've looked at over the years, but I'm going to kind of stack them together today. The first thing I'm going to call the three C's, the three C's. This is going to help us with this. First of all, don't compete. Don't compete. Second, don't compare. And thirdly, don't complain. See, when we, when we compete, now there's healthy competition. You're playing tennis or golf or you know, touch football with some people or whatever. You can compete or a sales contest. You can, that's, that's healthy. But I'm talking about you're competing with people, keeping up with the Joneses or, or whatever it would be. And don't compare, don't complain. Because whenever we have competition, comparison, and then complaining in our life, do you know what it does? It heightens our tendency toward anxiety and worry. Can I tell you why? Because now you're overly concerned. Y'all with me? We're overly concerned about other people. We're overly concerned about other people. And when we do that, that messes us up in a big way because it just fuels our insecurities all the more because we can't compete, we can't compare, and so we end up complaining, and all of that kind of works together. So what do we do with this? In John chapter 21... Jesus has an interaction with Peter. This is post-resurrection. Peter has denied the Lord. Do you remember that? Three times. Now they're having a little interaction. And Peter, seeing him, seeing John, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about him? What about this man? Look what Jesus says. Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come. Come on, read this with me. Come on, a little more like a little attitude with this, okay? So, you follow me. So, he, and this has helped me so much, so much in so many situations where you say, but Lord, what, what about them? What about him? What, what about what they said or what they're doing or what they're trying to do or, or this or that? Or what, how come they get that? And you know what? I I feel like the Lord just says this back to us. Y'all, we practice this. Ready? And so let the Lord say that to you. What is that to you? And then let me rephrase the last part. You just do what I called you to do. You just be what I made you to be. You just do that. And sometimes as a pastor of, you know, a church like Meadowbrook, sometimes I go to a conference and then I see other pastors and churches and they got five billion people or, well, nobody has that many. And, and this and this and this and this. And you know what? When I was a younger pastor, it could wreck you. It could wreck you to come back and think, wow, wow. But you know what? I'm so free I'm just so free because I know the Lord called me out on Southwest 20th Street in Ocala to, to, to just make a difference here. And when everything is said and done and I sit down across the desk from Jesus, I, I don't know if he has a desk. <laughs> Probably doesn't. And he said, so what would you do with where I sent you? You know, I don't want to say, but so-and-so and so-and-so and this and this and this. He's, he's just going to say, 
Come on. What's that to you? You you just do what I told you to do. You just go be what I made you to be. Amen? And let that free us. Now, our self-image, what we see, our self-esteem, what we say, um, also can be distorted because we use the wrong yardsticks. Do you all know what yardsticks are? Okay. How many of you used to get spanked by yardsticks? Come on. All right. Good deal. Um, But we sometimes measure with the wrong yardsticks, so to speak. And so I want to give you the wrong yardsticks real quick that we sometimes measure ourselves by. I am not. Come on, everybody say, I am not. I am not what I look like. I am not what I have. I am not what I do. I'm not what I have done. I'm not what others say about me. And there there are many, many more, but we tend to measure ourselves by what we look like. And I think you should put some effort into that. Okay, you're the children. You're the sons and daughters of the Most High God. I don't, I don't think we should be just sloppy. I can't even do it. Just be, not, not care. And we're not these things. That's not who we are. So again, then who are we? Who are we? And I told you earlier, we need a, a clear view of who you are. If, if we're going to be free from worry and anxiety. And let me just say this to you. And if you get nothing else, get this today. The only true reflection of who you really are is found in God's word. Yes. Now, don't let that fall on religious ears. Oh, yes, praise the Lord. No, the only true reflection of who I really am, I find it in God's word. You're going to find it in God's Word. Now, let me help you so that we can kind of find this all together. It's what God says about you. It's how God sees you. And what God says, he's your creator. He's your redeemer. He's your judge. He's, He's everything. Amen? Come on, church. And so it matters what he says. So that's the true reflection. It's the sum of what he did through creation and the sum of what he did through redemption. Look with me in Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. You, say that's me, you are complete in him. You are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So you are complete. This New Testament Greek word here means to level up or to fill up the hollow. To level up or fill up the hollow. So it's like what's missing, what's empty, what's dented, what's damaged in us. It is to fill that up. And I'm going to tell you something. You are not complete, just you. And see, the secular world trying to help you with all of these things, you're not going to find completeness just in you. The only way you're going to find completion is in him, in him. Everybody say it. You are complete in him. Come on. And so he is the only one that can fill up and level up those low places and empty places that are in our life. For example, here's some of the result. You were created. You were created, and you were created in the likeness and the image of God. You were redeemed. You were bought back. You were held hostage, and he did a rescue operation and bought you back and brought you back. You have been redeemed, and the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. 
So this needs to be a reality for us. I'm created, I'm redeemed, I'm forgiven. Anybody here glad that you are forgiven? And, and Jesus said, those who are forgiven much, love much. And so it informs the rest of our life, being forgiven. You're loved, you're cared for by God, you are secure. Nothing can get in between the love that he has for you. You are never alone. You are never without help. Ephesians 1 says that you are chosen, you are adopted, you are accepted, and you are blessed. And we could go on and on. Where do you find those things, Pastor? I find them in God's Word, and that's the only true reflection. So I can tell you, I'm created by God in His likeness, in His image. Jesus shed His blood so I could have relationship with God through Him. My sins are forgiven. He's my Heavenly Father. He takes care of me. When I lie down to sleep, He stays awake. And he watches over me, and he takes care of me. He's with me wherever I go. And when I mess up, he helps me back up again. He may talk to me straight, but he'll help me back up again and get me turned around and restore the joy of my salvation. And he'll take care of me night and day. And wherever I go, if I'm in the city, I'm in the country, or whatever is going on in my life, nothing is too hard for him. And I have to see that. All right, y'all are listening too good. I got to hurry. <laughs> well, all of this, everything I'm talking about here with self-image and self-esteem and self-talk and a clear view of myself and seeing the, the reflection of who I really am in God's Word, all of that takes place and is processed in my soul, in my soul. So let's review something real quick. You ready? Here, here it is. I am a spirit. Come on, read it with me. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Now, if you think I am a body, now you should take good care of your body. That was the worst amen in three weeks right there. You should take care of your body. I've had several people say, if I knew I was going to live this long, (laughs) I would have taken better care of it. So I am a spirit, I have a soul, live in a body. Well, all that I'm talking about, let me tell you where ground zero is. It's in the soul. And in your soul is your intellect, your emotions, your will, and your subconscious. So it's in the soul that you think and feel and decide and remember. So we've got to make sure that we're paying attention to what's going on in our soul. Because it's in the soul that you deal with worry and anxiety, or it is in the soul that worry and anxiety deal with you. So again, if you stayed awake last night or awake in the middle of the night or woke up this morning worried about something, where is that taking place? It is taking place in the soul. And it's either going to be taking care of you or you are going to be taking care of it. And it is in the soul. So this is what I want to Uh, just take the shortcut to right here. You must, in your soul, give access to the God of peace and you must give access to the Word of God. Okay, get this. Now, don't let that just be religious phrases. You must give access to the God of peace. We spent time on this already in Philippians 4, for example. And the God of peace will be with you. That's the follow-up of Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. 
ordering your thoughts, ordering your actions, and it says, and the God of peace will be with you. If you're going to be well, if you're going to be healthy in your soul, the God of peace needs to have access to your soul. The other thing is you must have the word of God in your soul. And I know I'm talking to Christians and you're going to church on a Sunday, but can I tell you a major epidemic problem in our country and in our world? It's Christians who are not reading their Bible. Oh, you have Bibles. You even have them on your phone and tablet and everything else. We, we got them, but you're not reading them. Well, I don't like to read. and Reading's boring. And this is really not even about reading. This is about feeding. And it's not really not about reading. It's about hearing. I like to put it this way because it's God's Word. It's not just a book. It's God's Word. It's God speaking to us. You don't just read it. You let it speak to you. So when you sit down to read, you don't just, rah, 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 rah. you let it speak to you and engage yourself, spirit, soul, and body, and see what God would say to you. Amen. Amen. Look with me quickly in Hebrews chapter 4. For the Word of God, come everybody say it, the Word of God. The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This points to the vital necessity of the Word of God having access into your soul because it's living, it's powerful, it's sharp, it's piercing, it divides out, it sorts out, it discerns, it conditions, it clarifies, and I love this, and it challenges the accuracy of negative thoughts. So when negative thoughts come of condemnation or insecurity or whatever it would be, the Word of God is able to challenge the, the accuracy of those negative thoughts. If Jesus has forgiven you, but yet you're feeling or thinking, I'm not very forgiven, then the truth of God's Word comes and challenges the thing that is bringing negativity to you. Amen. So again, the only true reflection of who you really are is found in God's Word. And so without God's Word, your soul is going to have some emptiness, some darkness, and some lack of clarity that invites, it becomes a hotbed for worry and anxiety in your life. So you need daily intake of and exposure to the Word of God. Did you hear me, church? You need daily. Everybody say daily. You need daily intake of and exposure to the Word of God. You need to have a doable, meaningful reading plan for the Bible as well. We posted, I think it was yesterday or the day before on social media, a reading plan. You can find this on YouVersion. YouVersion has all kinds of reading plans. So this is a 25-day one, totally focused on Christmas. Today is day two. I think you can catch up. It's free. You can get it on your phone, on the tablet, on your computer, your friend's phone. You, you can read it. It takes, uh, uh, it takes about three minutes, about three minutes to read. Theologically, very, very sound. You have a devotional part. You have uh, the scripture to read. You even have an uh, image that you can download that goes, that goes with it every day. And so that's one way to do it. Also, you need to be reading just the Bible Bible, okay? And Christmas time, there are tremendous amount of study Bibles. Choose the translation that you like, and there are study Bibles with all kinds of study aids to open up the Word of God. We're in the greatest day ever to be able to read and understand the Word of God. 
And yet we leave it closed and we fool ourselves thinking, well, I've got a Bible. Well, you need to open up the Bible, get in the Bible, and let the Bible get into you as well. Can we get an amen out of the church today? Don't just read it. Let it speak to you. Feed and water your soul. Feed and water your faith. And it's through faith that you overcome fear and worry and anxiety. Quickly look with me in Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 28. My soul, there it is again, my soul melts away because of, for sorrow. This is depression and heaviness and anxiety that happens. What does it do to your soul? It melts it, it, melts it away. But strengthen me according to your word. The word of God brings strength back to us. Look with me in Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Psalm 119, verse 130. Go ahead. The entrance of your word gives, come on, gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. There's two verses right in a row that talk about the word is light. What do we need light for? Light helps us to see because otherwise I'm not going to see it in the right way. And I have to get that light of God's word into my soul. Look with me also in Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord, it's the word of the Lord is perfect. Watch this. Reviving the soul. This means to replenish, to restore, to renew the soul. It literally means in the Old Testament Hebrew to bring back to the starting point. To bring back to the starting point. And you know what? I think we need to have our soul brought back to the starting point. Because since the starting point, there's been a lot to happen in our life. There's been a lot of damage to our souls. So I'm thankful for the Word of God. I'm thankful for the Word of God that I can see me different than I used to see me. Because the Word of God allows me, look what it does. It revives it makes it helps my soul to go back to the starting point because since the starting point, guess what? I went through some of the things that I told you about. And what if what if at this age, right now where I'm at, what if I still see myself as mom and dad couldn't keep it together? And here's what children do. Was it my fault? And do I still see myself as a skinny little poor, out of place, late to cool little kid? And yet I'm 59 years old. If I'm not careful, that voice can talk to me. But it's the light of God's word. It's the access of the God of peace and God's word that would come into my life. That would silence those voices. And can I remind you who those voices are? It's the worrier, it's the critic, it's the victim, it's the perfectionist, it's the enemy of our soul. Those voices, they still hang around. They love to talk to you. But what I see in God's Word determines what I say about me. And the same will happen for you. Give access to the God of peace. Give access to the Word of God. Amen? Did y'all get anything at all out of this today? Thanks again for listening to this message resource for Meadowbrook. You can stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.